NISBA's Study Break podcast is supported by the College Board, a mission-driven organization that connects students to college success and opportunity. Learn more at collegeboard.org. That has to be our North Star, because then learning happens. Then young people will engage in learning. They will see the need to learn, and teachers will also feel like they're thriving, they're not burning out. This summer, school leaders and educators are grappling with tough decisions regarding how to reopen schools safely in the fall and what challenges await them. I'm Gail Smidian, research analyst at NISBA. In an effort to provide insight on some of these difficult decisions, Dr. Gil Nome, founder and director of the Pear Institute, Partnerships in Education and Resilience at McLean Hospital outside of Boston, joins me for today's discussion. In addition, Dr. Nome is an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. Our discussion concerns the socio-emotional and academic challenges and opportunities regarding reopening schools in the fall. Thank you, Gil, for taking the time to speak with me today. Now, we've known each other for about 20 years. I can't believe that. But in that time, I've come to truly appreciate your expertise and insights and developments in the fields of positive youth development and socio-emotional learning as it pertains to academics and mental health. Uh, I think that we, we got to pause and think about where are we in this kind of historic moment Mm -hmm. before telling you about the theory, the framework, uh, the applications, the practices. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were all developed beforehand, before the pandemic. Right. But but the good news is that they were actually uh, already foreshadowing some of the things that are being accelerated. So just think about the young person and the teacher educator at home for the last four months and really moving it forward uh, despite all the progress that has been made in new york and the opening everything is cautious everything is still not the same as it was and it could actually change very fast mm-hmm. so one of the things that i think we uh, find is that containment at home, the lockdown, led to really a different relationship we have with our bodies. We couldn't really be as freely going to the gym to really experience ourselves and our embodied self with others uh, through the ways we usually do, going out, you know, walking, running, bicycling. Yes, we can do all that, but always with a cloud over us. Second. I think young people did not have a chance to really have a lot of voice. They were there, they were receiving materials, Mm -hmm. they were on the internet, it was all mixed, it is all mixed. So the whole notion of voice was on the weak side. Voice meaning meaning agency. Agency, Mm -hmm. ability to speak up, ability to kind of communicate, the Mm -hmm. whole notion of Uh, And I'm mentioning all this because this is part of that framework of what do young people need in order to thrive. Mm -hmm. The third one is the relationships. Yes, people were like online, but it's not the same. And I think people recognize that even though we have wonderful technology, it was not enough because we needed to be with people. And we, we couldn't be. We were with our families, but we weren't really with the peers and all the people that matter, including teachers. And fourth, the whole issue of reflection, as I call it, reflection of the global model, kind of the notion of meaning 
hope, optimism, all that has been undermined. And, you know, young people and their teachers are coming back with a big, big question mark. Everyone is worried. Everyone is concerned. Where will this go? What am I really working towards if this world is as unsafe as it feels? The socio-emotional theory that starts with the question that I have felt is not sufficiently answered, which is what do young people and actually also the adults that support them need in order to feel mentally healthy, thriving individuals who can actually learn, dream, and pursue a future of hope. Mm -hmm. That's what schools are about. And I think what we call them is the active engagement self, the uh, assertive and voice-oriented self, the belonging self, and the reflective meaning-making self. Right. If those four elements are coming together and are working really well, you have a young person who does really well. And our whole question, when we think about opening up right now, when we think about what is it that uh, young people will need when they come back to school or if they need to continue to do the work online and we really get it straight and figure out what it takes to do really strong online work, mm -hmm. you've got to think about that. That has to be our North Star. Because then learning happens. Then young people will engage in learning. They will see the need to learn. And teachers will also feel like they're thriving. They're not burning out. So let me repeat. Okay. The, the need is for when young people come back to really, despite all the distancing, to really have a place where their body matters, where they can actually be out and about with peers. And it's going to be very, very complicated how to kind of allow for that while allowing for safety. Right. The second thing they will need is they have to be involved in some decision making. Mm -hmm. It's not possible to just pretend they were in school for the six, last six months. They were really fending for themselves, mm -hmm. especially the adolescents. And we have to create norms, and those norms have to involve the young people, the families, and the school administration and the teachers. Fourth, I mean, third, we need really to focus on relationships. Mm -hmm. Teacher-student relationships are going to be essential. Young people miss their teachers. The teachers miss their students. Let's build on that. Let's not get into these power struggles that can derail right. all of this. We have an opportunity and a chance. And the fourth thing is meaning. And what I mean with meaning or reflection is that we have to get uh, straight that we as adults have to infuse optimism and hope into the whole education process. If we can't do that, everything will fail and it's very hard to do that during a time when everyone is kind of beaten down mm -hmm. and to, we still have to do it once schools get ready in the fall how do they assess what their needs are for each of the students in their school district well i i would start with um first <clears throat> assessing you know what do we have for everyone i mean that's that's an easier task mm -hmm. which is are the teacher meetings, the planning meetings, really uh, open to those elements that I just described? Do teachers feel 
they belong? Do they feel they're listened to? Do they feel like their voices count? All that has to be a starting point as people plan for the for the coming year. It's not just the opening, it's the whole first year. Right. Um, and, and then I think the issue becomes uh, really an issue also of mental health. And I, I think I, I'm a skeptic when people... Uh, write about in a kind of sensationalist way the next tsunami, mental health, the next pandemic, all the mental health disorders. Uh, because I, I'm a great believer and have done a good amount of research on resiliency, and I don't think this phase is trauma-inducing for everyone. Okay. Okay. It is hard for everyone, and we have to make a distinction between hard and trauma. Right. Uh, but. I do think that many young people will come back traumatized. Mm -hmm. They will have witnessed very traumatic events, deaths in the family, high anxiety with parents having to work, being out there in the field uh, and seeing kind of a lot of really bad things. Also, abuse seems to have gone up. Uh, family violence has gone up. So there is there, there are a lot of things to really be very concerned about. But there's also, you know, uh, hardship creates strengths. And there are also many young people that are going to come back more mature right. and, and, and with a greater sense of of self. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to balance each other out some. But what I want everyone to know that when we did very careful analyses of past pandemics, past you know, uh, horrible situations, calamities like natural disaster, Katrina, and the, uh, the Great Depression, the Great Recession, we do find some numbers that are disturbing. Already now, without the pandemic, you have to expect 15 to 20% of young people, especially in adolescence, having a, a mental disorder, you know, during a given year. Uh, my prediction is that it's going to be 10% more, okay. uh, which, which is a conservative prediction. But if you take that 15 to 20% normally, and now an extra 10% or so, we're talking about um, 25 to 30% of the school population. And that doesn't include teachers, where also you will have a lot of mental health issues you hmm. know, cropping up. The teachers have to know enough that they can they can figure out how they can integrate students who are stressed and do show post-traumatic issues, how they can still function mm -hmm. in a classroom. And then they have to also understand and learn, which many teachers know anyway, but it's going to be more, how to refer students to outside, you know, inside school or outside entities that can actually do some of the treatment that's coming to us. We're all in this together. We need to learn from each other. And we have the opportunity right this moment to take the crisis and what we are all going through and just pivot our way of being with students and families with each other as adults. Mm -hmm actually create an environment that will be uh, even more productive and even more positive. Right. Uh, and, and once we do that, I think we will also have better academic results, which I really look forward to, despite 
all the difficulties that we uh, we will have to go through kind of probably into the future because this is far from over. Yeah, and this is just the beginning of the conversation. How can interested listeners contact you, Gil, for further information? They can actually do something very simple, which is they can email me, which is gil underscore noam at harvard.edu, gil with one L. But they can also go on our website, which is uh, the pair uh, institute.org, uh, which has a lot of a lot of information. I totally appreciate um, uh, all your your time today, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Study Break. Okay, thank you, Gail, and thank you all of, uh, of you listeners, uh, and stay healthy. <laughs> you too. So, as a wrap up to today's discussion, as schools reopen in the fall, it will be important to ensure the following. Students are able to navigate social spaces safely with their peers again. Youth get a seat at the table, so to speak, regarding decisions about their lives. As students head back to school, strengthening relationships between students, teachers, and school administrators should be prioritized. And hope and optimism should be instilled into students' educational lives. Be sure to catch up with Study Break on Twitter at NISBA Podcast, where resources for this episode will be available. Study Break will return with new episodes in August. Have a wonderful summer. Stay safe and well.